Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Find your seats. So good to see all of you. Turn in your Bibles to the book of, what are we studying? Nehemiah. Good job. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. And I want to start this sermon with a pretty bold claim. And it's uh, kind of a bold promise. And it's really more of a bold hope that I have for you as I share from the Word of God that I'm going to provide for you some tools from the Word of God. And it's going to be some tools that you will have, you will receive for a better life, for a life with more freedom and more peace. And so that's a pretty bold claim. It's a bold hope of what I'm hoping God will do this morning. The title of this sermon is Build the Walls of Protection Around Your Life. And we're going to speak this morning about the spiritual walls. We're we're called to, to protect ourselves from the enemy. And so the sermon today, I'll say it again, is to build the walls of protection around your life. And so I'm going to ask you later in this sermon, what do the walls of protection, spiritually speaking, look like in your life? And I'm going to give you some tools. And I'm once again, I'm going to, I'm going to say the bold hope that I have today is that these tools will help you in life and you will have freedom and peace. So are you in the book of Nehemiah? Turn to the book of Nehemiah. As as you're turning there, I'll tell you that I'm going to tell you the full story later. But this sermon is really going to touch on a subject called spiritual warfare. And the subject of spiritual warfare might be something you know all about. And it might, for some of you, be something that's kind of new and kind of like interesting. Like, what, 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 is, what is spiritual warfare anyways? And so I'm going to share with you my introduction to spiritual warfare. Back in Fuller Theological Seminary, I was a graduate student back in 2003. And I had an elective course. And I chose this course because I had like a paper catalog. Anybody remember the paper catalogs of college? Now it's all online. But I had a paper catalog, and I looked through this catalog, and I saw an elective course that looked really interesting. It was called Power Encounters, and it said we're going to teach about what spiritual warfare is. And then it says every class period will be a time for spiritual warfare and exorcisms. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, now that's an elective. Like I would, so I I went into this class with like, wow, what in the world is going to happen in this class? And I'll tell you that story towards the end of this service. But right now, turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the story of a guy named Nehemiah, good job, it's not a trick question, who goes back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, physically, literally, he goes to rebuild the walls, and so we've been looking at Nehemiah, this is actually week three, if you're new to the, uh, the church here, I see a couple new faces, you're in week three right now of a series on the book of Nehemiah, and the first two weeks we went over chapter one, how Nehemiah is in exile, he's 700 miles from Jerusalem, he's in exile, he's a cupbearer to the king, and he gets news that Jerusalem is in shambles, the gates are down, uh, the walls are down, the gates have been burned with fire, and he has a heart, his heart goes out for Jerusalem, and the people living there, the capital city, the city of his ancestors, and he weeps, and he weeps, and then months later, because it says the number, it says the the months here in in, uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, and then Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. It's about four months later that he has a conversation with the king. So let's read this. We're going to read Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. If you're able, would you stand in reading of the word of God? It says this 
in the month of Nisan, that's one of the Jewish months, four months from when the story started in the book of uh, Nehemiah chapter one in the month of Kislev. Here we are now in the month of Nisan. In the 20th year, it says the name of the king, Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king because his job is a, he's a cup bearer. He's a cup bearer, a wine bearer. And in, in that like I think in our day and age, it would be someone who was like uh, maybe in the cabinet or someone who was around the king who was speaking to him in, in association with the king. But his job is a cupbearer and he had not been sad in the, in the king's presence before. Verse two says, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And it says, I was very much afraid He's very much afraid because kings in this ancient world, they, they kind of ruled by fear. It's kind of the modern day fascist dictator. Like there's a lot of fear. And if you went up against the king or he said something wrong, you could fear your life. So he's, he's afraid, but he says to the king, may the king live forever. So that's a, that's a great way to start. Uh, why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? And then he pauses here and he says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. A great way to start a conversation, just quickly praying, giving it over to the Lord. Verse five, he says, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. God, as we study this passage, um, it's a passage about literal walls being rebuilt and bringing safety and protection from the enemy. Lord, I pray that we would look into our hearts, that you would, would open our hearts and our minds to looking into our own life and, and wondering, Lord, Lord, what are you gonna do with us in, in our lives? Lord, we're, we're hopeful and expectant that, that you, Lord, will protect us, that you will be the walls around us in our lives because you've given us authority. And so, Lord, I pray that this sermon will, will touch the ears, the minds, the hearts of those listening, including my own. Lord, we give you our, our, our lives. Lord, we pause here and we say, Lord, would you speak to us this morning? Would you speak to us? We pray in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Nehemiah is a story about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, which this project leads to the safety, security, hope, and restoration of a city. I'll say that again. The whole story, the whole book of Nehemiah is about a person who goes back and starts a building project to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it just so happens that he is successful and it brings safety, security, hope, and a new start to Israel's history. Today in this sermon, I want to make a comparison, a metaphor, a spiritual comparison to our own lives and how rebuilding or building walls of protection around our lives in a spiritual sense can bring safety, security, hope, and a new start. Now, there's a lot of reasons to build a wall or a fence. If you have a house and maybe you have a backyard, anybody have a fence in their backyard? 
There's a lot of, lot of good reasons to have a fence or, or a, a wall in your property, maybe just to show where the boundary lines are, maybe just to make it look better, maybe to have a little bit of privacy. Maybe, you know, if you have kids, maybe to keep the soccer balls from going out into the yard, that's a good reason to have a fence or a wall. Maybe you have, uh, I heard this term last week with my wife, if you have a fur baby, do you know what a fur baby is? I heard this term and I was like, is it a spelling error? Is it four babies? No, it's a, my wife said, it's a fur baby. People call their dogs and cats fur babies. So now you know, fur baby is a term for your dog. So if you have a dog, most people have a backyard and a fence that you can keep the backyard, uh, to keep the dog in the backyard. Those are all great reasons to build a fence or to build a wall. But Nehemiah does not have a fur baby. He's not going back to Jerusalem to keep soccer balls out of the road. He's going back to Jerusalem to build a wall. And the reason, the one reason why he's building this wall is for protection. For protection against who? Against an enemy. There was enemies in that region of the world in outside of Jerusalem. In fact, we see in chapter four of Nehemiah that they're right on the horizon, that as they're building the wall, the Sumerians are right there. And Nehemiah says, we gotta be ready. In one hand, you will do work. In the other hand, you need a sword, a weapon. So work with a weapon in one hand and a trowel in the other is this image from Nehemiah chapter four. Why? Because the enemies are right there. They're on the horizon. And this is a gruesome time in world history in the Middle East where hand-to-hand combat was, was gruesome and grisly, where cities were burned, where there was tribes of starving people. And to survive, they would raid another town and take all of their supplies and burn everything left. And if you were in that town, well, then you needed walls. You needed protection. There was real threats of enemies. Today, this sermon is called Build the Walls of Protection Around Your Life. Build the spiritual walls around your life for protection. Build the walls of protection around your life. And I want us to think about the spiritual application of this. Like, what are the conditions? It's, it's a question for all of us. I'm not going to quiz you later, but I want you to quiz yourself. Like, what do the spiritual walls in your life look like? Walls to protect you from the enemy. Walls to protect you from sin and temptation and going down uh, into areas you shouldn't be going into. What are the walls, things you have set up in your life for protection? What do the walls of protection look like in your life? It's a question maybe some of you are just now thinking of, maybe for the first time. I know a lot of people think about security systems of their house, uh, auto security systems, cyber security systems. There's whole you know, careers that people take to, you know, in cyber security. And a lot of time and energy is spent in our world today protecting from the earthly enemies that we have. In a crowd this big, it's, it's probably likely that, that maybe one or two of you have had your home broken into at one point. Anybody have their home broken into? And, and the, the couple of you have, three, four, five of you have. And the, the, ceiling, the feeling of violations, Someone's been in your house. They've taken things. Uh, we're fortunate. I've not yet, I guess, uh, hopefully never, but had our house broken into. But we have had our vehicles broken into several times this year. Uh, people have broken into our vehicles. And it really makes you think like, like, okay, out there are people who want like my stuff and they want to steal it and they want to break and they smash windows and they wreck the door and they bend the keys off. And we're the key. And it's just like, man, we have... So, so to speak, enemies in this world who want to break in and steal what we have. 
And these earthly enemies, these fellow human beings, uh, Jesus calls us to actually love our enemies, right? He calls us to, to, to pray for those that persecute us, to, to forgive those that have done us wrongs, to treat people better than they're treating us even if they're causing us harm. Jesus calls us to turn the other cheek and to love our human fellow brothers and sisters, our fellow neighbors, even if they were doing wrong to us. But there is an enemy that Jesus calls us to not take it easy on, calls us to not love, and who is not a, a fellow human being, but the personification of evil. And of course, I'm talking about the devil, Beelzebub, Lucifer, the prince of darkness. I'm talking about, he's often referred to with the definite article, the Satan. He's the personification of evil. And I remember having like thinking through this, like love our enemies, but Devil's our ultimate enemy. And I remember being a new Christian in high school. I was on a retreat, which retreats are awesome. Our men's retreat is this weekend. So maybe that's why I was thinking about this. And I was just kind of talking out loud saying, okay, the devil's our enemy, but Jesus calls us to love our enemy. Shouldn't we love the devil? And my roommate was looked at me as like, don't you ever say that again. Are you crazy? And he went on to say, like the, the devil's not like a fellow human enemy. The the, the devil is, is the personification of evil itself. And he pointed me to 1 Peter 5. It says, be alert, sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We're not called to pray for that enemy. We're not called to pray for evil itself, like the personification of evil. We have a very real enemy, and he seeks to destroy your life. The enemy, the, 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 the evils, the powers of this world, the temptations seek to ruin your life, your family, your marriage, your kids' lives, and we need to be ready. We need to set up spiritual walls of protection around our lives to protect us. Amen? Amen. So let me tell you, let me get back to that story. So this um, story from Fuller Seminary when I took the, the class called Power Encounters. Let me preface it and say, uh, this was 2003, and I really hadn't had much of a background of spiritual warfare. And um, I went, I was, it was in my master's degree. I had saved up all my electives. So my last semester was just going to be all full of electives, which in college I did the same thing. And it was a whole semester of really cool electives. My college, like three, four years before that, I took an elective PE credit in billiards. So on Monday and Wednesday at 8 a.m., I got to play pool for college credit. It was awesome. Now, my seminary did not have billiards as an elective, but it did have this class as I was looking through the paper catalog of power encounters. And I read the description. And like I said, it said, we're going to talk about, have lectures on what spiritual warfare is. And then every class we will engage in spiritual warfare and exorcisms. And I was just like, now that's, I'm excited. Like this class, like I had no idea, like what is going to happen in this class? And we get into the class and it was quite large, about a hundred people. The professor was Dr. Charles Kraft and uh, Dr. Charles Kraft. And he, in this realm, if, if you're in the world of spiritual warfare, you've probably heard that name. He's written quite a few books. He was kind of the theological backing of the vineyard movement, along with uh, Peter Wagner and John Wimber. He's one of those people who has a name in spiritual warfare. And he was the professor of the class. 
And he was like a grandfatherly, loving shepherd kind of guy and taught about what spiritual warfare was, had us turning in scripture and looking at what spiritual warfare was. And then the class came to like, okay, now we're going to take this class into a time of spiritual warfare. And I was like, here we go. Like in my mind, and this is, don't judge me, okay? Don't judge my imagination. But here's what I imagined. I imagined like someone getting wheeled in that's like all chained up with like literal chains. And they wheel him in. And then the, the, the Charles Craft is like, come out of him. And he's like, starts screaming. And then just starts running, like bust the chains loose. And his head starts spinning. And he's running around. And like the demon goes into the people over here. And they get up on the stage. And then they jump off the stage like that scene in the bible like the pigs and so i'm just like i'm like really excited like what is about to happen i have really have very little experience with spiritual warfare and i was just like man this is gonna be good and so what the what charles craft does is he is he comes down he gets a chair he sets up a chair and then he sets up another chair and uh he sits down on one of the chairs and he invites he says who among you would like to be a part of this uh, spiritual warfare ministry. And everyone just went quiet. Everyone's like looking around at everybody else. And I, of course, there's no way I'm going down there. And I didn't go down there. And they just kind of let it hang. He's like confident enough of a guy. He just said, okay, well, we'll wait. Pray and see if, you know, you're supposed to come down for this spiritual warfare ministry. And I was just like, what is going to happen? And luckily, this, this girl is kind of sitting off to the back raised her hand, this young girl in her 20s, raised her hand and said, I'll come down. And he said, okay, good. He said, come on down. He moved the microphone and a class of like 100 people, like maybe this, this size, um, sat down. And she sat down. And, and they just began, like Charles Craft is, is a shepherd. And he's, uh, he's like a grandfatherly, loving person. So you have to kind of get that image in your head. And, and so just in a, in a loving, beautiful way, he said, okay, well, why did you come down? And she said, well, I'm, I'm really struggling with anxiety and, and fear and it's immobilizing. Like I can't, <clears throat> I wake up and I'm just afraid. I can't do things and it's, it's bugging me. I'm seeing counselor after counselor and I, I tried to get on medication and then they, I couldn't get on medication. And, and so now I'm just at my wits end and I can't believe I raised my hand and I came down here because I, I really struggle with anxiety and here I am. And she's going on and on. You could tell like she's, she's worked up. She's anxious. And Charles Kraft said, well, well, what's that look like, you know, in your, in your day-to-day? How, how does this, what's this look like? And she says, well, it's, it's really, it's a lot of it has to do with driving. So Fuller Seminary's in LA and driving in LA, it's, it's not easy. There's a lot of traffic, a lot of freeways, a lot of highways, people going really fast. It's crazy. As you said, I, I've seen some accidents and um, I'm just so afraid of, of driving and going somewhere. I have a job across town and I go and I sit in my car on the side of the road and I go to get in to drive to work and I just start crying. And I start bawling and I start cussing at myself saying, what's wrong with me? Why am I so afraid? And as she's saying this, she begins to cry. It's like, I just don't, I'm at my wits end. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm afraid. It comes over me and I'm just sitting in my car crying and cussing at myself. And this fear comes over me and it comes from nowhere. It hasn't been, I've been, haven't been driving for weeks. My bus doesn't come anywhere near my house. And so I'm getting a ride to the bus station to go across town. It's so embarrassing. I don't know what to do. And she's like, she's crying up here. And Dr. Charles Kraft, it just in a, a grandfatherly shepherding way says, do you think this is a spiritual attack? 
And she says, yeah, I, th- I think it is. It comes all of a sudden, and it's just fear, and I, I don't know what to do about it, and I need help. And, and Charles Craft invited us as the congregation to say, like, would you join me in praying over this woman for this ministry? And then I just felt like oh, waves of conviction. Like, here I am. Like, like, I already told you what I imagined and, like, the show I thought I was going to get. And, and here I am, like, oh, here's, here's a woman being extremely vulnerable who, who is really suffering from something she believes, Dr. Kraft, and, and now I'm believing. Like, this does seem like a, a spirit of fear comes upon this woman, and she's suffering. She needs help. And with these waves of conviction, I, like, I began to pray. And, and the whole class kind of felt the same way. Like, gosh, we, let's pray for this woman. She's really suffering with fear every day. It's like she can't, she can't break it and she's crying. And so Dr. Charles Kraft leads her in just a beautiful, simple prayer of taking the authority of Jesus, which, which if, if I would define what spiritual warfare is, I would say it's receiving or taking this, the spiritual authority of Jesus and commanding with his authority, the evil presence to leave and to, to not bother anyone, to, to be free from spiritual darkness with the authority of Jesus. That's a, kind of a quick definition of what spiritual warfare is. And so he prayed this prayer over this woman. I say, I pray in the name and the authority of Jesus that the spirit of fear needs to leave this young woman. And the prayer went on and kind of went back and forth in conversation and more prayer. And then he began to say, well, would, would you pray over your own life? And so she, she, she did. She said, I, with the authority of Jesus, I pray against any demonic activities. So the spirit of fear, you need to leave. And then he coached her. said, well, you know, tomorrow you're, you're going to try to get in your car. The spirit of fear might come and you need to pray. You need to stop and you need to receive the authority Jesus gives us to tell these demonic things to leave you. And she said, okay. And then they, just like that, like a half hour of time went by. And I was like, wow, that was a really powerful ministry. Like here's this woman who is truly suffering with fear and, and it seems to be like some sort of like a spiritual element of this thing that I wouldn't deny. And she received freedom. She left there. The next class, I think it was on a Wednesday. It was a Monday, Wednesday thing. So Wednesday, uh, she's there. She's in the class. And at one point, she raised her hand and said, I just want to give a testimony. I drove here. And the class was like, yes, thank you, Lord. Like, like this, this, I showed up because it was going to be like a, you know, a, a freak show or something in my mind. But here, like spiritual warfare you know, we see these scenes in the Bible, like the, the, the Gadarene demoniac. That's the one where he says his name is legions because there's so many demons inside of him. And then they go into the pigs and the pigs jump off the cliff. And this is this radical power encounter story. But you know where Jesus is? Like Jesus is, is with the man. Jesus has compassion on this guy. It says that he lives in a cave and he, he can't even keep clothed. And people have chained him up because he's hurting himself with, with rocks. And Jesus has compassion on him. And I think in the church, in the world today, maybe we, we need to really open our eyes to the spiritual realm and know that there is a wall of protection that we need around our lives. And the first thing we need to understand is that th- these walls are spiritual. They're spiritual warfare walls that we need as Christians to set up against the work of the enemy. Can you amen to that? Amen. So that's the, I'm gonna give you three uh, kind of, I don't know, tools for advice. And that's the first one. If you're, if you're taking notes, the first one is, is the spiritual warfare side. If you're gonna, the, the title is to, to build the walls of protection around our life. The first tool is, is to engage in spiritual warfare. 
maybe to understand that what, what you're dealing with, it, it might be spiritual in nature. And every, every Sunday, we, we, we receive communion, and then there's a time after the service where people come forward for prayer. And I've, I've coached some of the people who are going to be down here for prayer. And if you're dealing with something in your life, maybe it's a disease, a temptation, a sickness, a madness, a something in your life that you're like, uh, maybe it's fear, like the story I just shared. Come forward and, and ask for prayer, because maybe there's a spiritual element to, to this thing that you're dealing with, that in the name of Jesus, with the authority of Jesus, you can overcome because he has, has, has finished the work on the cross and he has all authority and he gives us authority over the spiritual realm. So that's point one, that to build the spiritual walls in your life, engage in the spiritual warfare that, that, that we have authority to do so. The second one kind of goes hand in hand because we could, we could pray the prayers, but the second one is, is to not give the devil a foothold. That, that's a verse out of Ephesians chapter four that, that we could set up these, you know, these spiritual metaphorical walls to protect ourselves. But if there's footholds in the wall, well, then the, the devil's just gonna metaphorically, spiritually climb right up and over and get into your life. Anybody have a, ever have a, a mouse problem in their house? Anybody? Oh, look at, okay, all of us. All of us at some point have had a mouse or mouse problem, mice problem in our house. Maybe it was a couple mice, maybe it was a dozen, or maybe it was more, we don't know. Uh, and so if you've ever called the exterminator, the exterminators are good. He, he will, she will get rid of the mice. They'll set up traps and they will kill them. They, you kind of need to treat the mouse as an enemy. The exterminator will set up traps and they will kill them. And then he'll high five himself. He'll high five you and say, okay, the mice are gone. They're out of the house. The enemy is gone. But then a good, you know, someone who's kind of looking at your house and, and saying why you have the mouse, mouse problem might go to the, the cause of the problem is that maybe you have a really messy house. Maybe you haven't taken the trash out in a while. Maybe there's food scraps under the table. Maybe your kitchen's a mess with like bits of, you know, food from two days ago or you know, maybe three, four days ago, I don't know. And so if you don't clean up your house, if you don't take out the trash and sweep under your table, well then what's gonna happen even after you get rid of the mice? They're gonna find another way back in. You're gonna create more of a mouse problem by not sweeping your house. And I'm not talking about good housekeeping right now. I'm talking about the spiritual nature of our soul. Like we can pray the prayer and we can, you know, in the name of Jesus command evil presences to leave, command demons and Satan himself. We have the authority that Jesus gives us to do these things and to cast out demons. But if we don't sweep our house, our, our spiritual house, our spiritual life, if we don't clean up and take out the trash and get rid of things that we know we need to be getting rid of, then the mice will just come right back in and they will find a place. The devil will come right back in and find a place. That's number two. The first one was engage in spiritual warfare. The second one is don't give a foothold. If you're making a wall of protection, don't put little handholds and footholds on the wall for the enemy to come climbing in. Make sense? Metaphorically? Spiritually? Okay. The last thing is this. I'll, I'll close with this in this sermon. The third thing is put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. I'll say it one more time. Put your trust in the Lord. You know, I think one of the things that I've learned about spiritual warfare uh, since, you know, my introduction with the Power Encounters class, which ended up being a wonderful class. It was class after class of, of ministry time that looked a lot like people coming forward and sharing personal things, being very vulnerable in a large class and getting spiritual prayer over different regions of their life. And, and it was a beautiful um, ministry 
for, for the individuals that, that were there and came forward. And as, as someone looking on, it's like, here's a grandfather in the faith. Here's a shepherd. Here's someone who really cares about people, giving people freedom and always pointing people towards God. I think one of the critiques of spiritual warfare is that it gives too much attention to the works of the devil. It's like, I, I, think I can think of this cartoon in my mind. I'm, I'm not sure, just, maybe it's just in my mind, where like a boss comes in and, and this guy's working with these, all these buttons and stuff and, he, and the boss says, don't push this big shiny red button. And the boss leaves and this guy's left in this room and all he can do is like, look at the big red shiny button. And he's supposed to be getting work done, but instead he's just looking at this shiny button. It's like, I'm not gonna push it but I'm gonna go see how shiny it is. Oh, that's smooth, that's warm. Wow, look at this button. And he spends his whole time not pushing it and just enamored with the button. And I think one of the critiques of spiritual warfare is that people get enamored with the work of the devil and the works of the demons and, and, and the, the shows that, that people think, you know, the, the exorcism show of, of, of people screaming. And, you know, that, that, that's, that's all of our attention. All, we should be enamored with the Lord himself, amen? And I think when we look at prayers throughout the Bible, the book of Psalms, anybody else love the book of Psalms? My favorite book in the Bible. There's a lot of, if you, if you read it with these eyes, there's a lot of spiritual warfare prayers in the book of Psalms. So many of the Psalms have to do with, with warfare and using warfare as a metaphor and a, and a spiritual metaphor for our own lives. And some of them are literally about war and saying that God himself is going to protect us. Think of Psalm 34. It's a Psalm about, it's, it opens up with, I live and breathe God. My lungs expand with this praise. And then Psalm 34, seven, it gets down to this verse that says, as we pray, God's angels set up a wall of protection around us while we pray. And I just get this image of like, that's, that's spiritual warfare, praying, giving our attention to the Lord, and then he protecting us, trusting in him for that protection. Psalm 46, anybody else like Psalm 46? It's, 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 it's oftentimes people say, oh, that's one of my favorite Psalms. It's the Psalm of God is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give away, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. It goes on to talk about the city of God and how God himself is the refuge. He's the one that breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted among the earth. The Lord Almighty is our fortress. If you're thinking about your own life, like think about those walls of protection being God himself. Or one more psalm, Psalm uh, 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Lord. Do you know this psalm? Some, some of you are like, that's my favorite psalm. It's a beautiful psalm, under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him I will trust. And surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but the evil, it shall not come near you. Why? Because the Lord he is your refuge and strength. He is the wall of protection around you. So this morning, as we kind of conclude this sermon, we conclude every Sunday with the act of engaging in trusting the Lord, the act of, of receiving communion together. In your baskets, uh, there, there's these little elements. I invite you to get them out now and just keep them closed for now because we're gonna pray and then Brett's gonna lead us to the table. But every week we... we, we partake in this mystery of receiving the bread and receiving the cup. And this is 
remembering Christ's death, that, that he didn't sin. He was sinless and he went to the cross. That's why this, the cross is the center of this room. We remind ourselves that we receive his body, his blood into our lives. And so if you're, if you're new to this congregation, it's an open table. Jesus opens the table to anyone who believes in him. If you believe in him, you may receive what he gives us. Like he, he gives us his life. He gives us his protection. We remind ourselves that he is the one in charge. He has all authority. So would you stand with me? I'm gonna lead us in prayer. I'll invite the band to come up. And after I'm done praying, Brett will lead us to the table. But let's take a moment now, holding these elements, thinking about the walls of protection in our life and thanking the Lord. Lord, you are our refuge and our strength. You are the one that invites us into your safety, to your hope and to your security, that we might share a meal with you, that we might feast upon who you are, that, that we would receive you inside of us. We, we would say that, that we are lacking, that we don't have it all together, that we are in need of you and we receive your cup. We receive your, the meal of, the, of this bread, this spiritual meal inside of us and declare that, Lord, we need you. We need you to be the walls of protection around our lives. We need you to be our safety and our security. And so, Lord, it's with this hope, it's with this declaration that we now go to the table. And so, friends, we remember that on the night our Lord Jesus was handed over to suffering and death, he took bread. And having given thanks, he shared that bread with those who were curious, who were following him, were interested, who wanted to learn with his disciples. And he said, giving us a picture of what's most important, he said, take, eat. This is my body. And it's for you. And you're invited to take him at his word. That he's nourishing you. He's strengthening you. He's giving himself to you. And so Jesus, you told us as often as we do this to remember you. And so we remember you, not just who you were, not just what you did, but who you are and what you are doing right now and the good future that you are drawing us into. And we say we're hungry. We're hungry to be filled. We're hungry for things to be made right in us and in the world around us. And somehow, in the mystery of the cross and the resurrection and the mystery of you getting your life into us by the power of your spirit, you are making all things right. And we say, we trust you. Help the ways that we don't trust you, but we trust you. And we want to be fed by you right now and every moment of our lives. So thank you that you do feed us. Remind us of that and feed us in this moment. You may receive the bread. Likewise, when supper was over, he took the cup having given thanks, he shared that cup with you. And he said, take, drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, 
of the new agreement, of the new arrangement between God and humanity. It is for the remission of your sins. I'm washing you clean. I'm making you new. Tomorrow and today are not defined by yesterday. Newness of life is coming for you. And so Jesus, we believe that. Help our unbelief. We ask that you would, uh, you would, you would quench our thirst. We're thirsty for things to be made right in us and in the world. Would you quench our thirst, wash us clean, make us new, and infuse us? May your blood run through our veins so that we can be your body, your hands, your feet, your mouth, your ears for the sake of a world that's in desperate need of love to be reigning. Reign in us, wash us clean, make us new. You may receive the cup. And so right now, in your own way, lift up praise to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the eternal dance of love that is making you new and inviting you into, your, into a good future. May you trust him, may you know him, may you know that he is feeding you, sustaining you, and washing you clean. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you are providing for us. We don't provide for you, you provide for us. We are grateful and we love you. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray these things. Amen and amen. Let's worship, friends.
this service knowing that you are the king of kings you are the lord of lords you've you have all authority and lord you've you've given it to us to pray over people you've given it to us to take your authority upon our life and and give it back to you and say lord would you clean me would you free me from sin and darkness and fear and anxiety and madness lord would you free us give us the light of your life inside of us so that we could go about into this dark world knowing that we have been set free, knowing that our prayers matter, knowing that we can pray for other people to be freed of things with the authority of Jesus Christ that you have given us. So Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we leave here in joy in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen, amen. At the end of this service, as we always do, we're going to pray for people. I'll be down here. Our prayer team will be down here. Come forward if you're new or newish, or if you've been coming for a little while but never got. We have a little gift for you. Visit the table in the back. Chris is also going to be at the back table. He's the face of our New Life Manitou Men's Ministry. You might have heard, heard us calling it M3. That's what it stands for, Manitou Men's Ministry. And I'm going to be up there next weekend, uh, this coming Friday. We're going to be camping Friday night and Saturday night. And some of you, I've, I've already heard from some of you, are just going to come up for the day on Saturday. And I want to tell you that's okay. If you just want to come up for Saturday, Come for breakfast. Jerry's making chorizo pork burritos. They're going to be incredibly good. It's, it's, so it's Round Mountain Campground. More information. I don't want to bore you with details for all of you that already know. But talk to Chris. We'll give you the directions. We'll give you a little flyer. Give you information of, of, of joining us, men's ministry, this retreat. Don't miss it. It only comes once a year. And the Lord just does so much over that weekend in my own life, in the lives of the men in this church. So talk to Chris. As you leave here, let me pray a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.